0: Come on! I'm so excited. I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a blessing to come into the house of the Lord. Uh, So thankful for Pastor Lee. I mean, you know, we don't we don't say this often, but we are so. I think we don't say it we don't say it enough. We are so encouraged, so blessed, so thankful for Pastor Lee. He's such an example to us. He's such a leader. You know, we're at the, at the pastor's retreat a few weeks back and just seeing the, the love he has for the body. Many of us leaders, pastors, will not be doing what we're doing without the grace of God that's upon his life. Can we just thank God for Pastor Lee? Come on. So glad for his life and for what God is doing through him. I'm thankful for all the leaders that are here. Uh, uh, all, the, all, the, all the pastors here. We have uh, Felix Andrew uh Joe is somewhere the events all the pastors all the leaders my brother that's right here I'm so glad for every one of them they're great men of god we're so glad that god is using them to lead the church we're just thankful for what god is doing through you all thank you so much for having us i bring greetings from the church from res life church uh we we love you all we love what god is doing through this church um I, i'm here with my my better half my, my wife she's here with me today i'm so glad for her thankful for what god is doing through her, she's the, she's the smart one. Uh, if you see the kids behaving okay and looking normal, then it's, it's what God is doing through her. And so I'm just so thankful for, for her life. I'm glad that she can be here with us. Come on, are you, are you happy to hear the word of God? You know, I, I always tell people the way I sound, the way I look will not change you. But I know one thing that will, the word of God will change your life so let us go to the lord in prayer father we thank you we bless you for this time thank you lord that we get to hear your voice we get to hear your word lord oh god we pray that we will step aside father we don't want to hear man we need to hear your voice it's your voice that changes situations lord and so god we silence every voice that's not the voice of god and lord we pray that you will have your way thank you lord Holy Spirit, we are desperate for you. We're desperate for you, Holy Ghost. We give you all the praise in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. So today, there's a a short portion of scripture, which is a famous portion of scripture. You've heard it many times, but I really believe there is something in there that reveals to us the heart of the Father. And so this morning, we'll be sharing briefly on the Father's heart. And so let's go to Jeremiah chapter 33. It's a famous portion of scripture that we'll look at a little bit today. Jeremiah chapter 33. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 3. Jeremiah 33... From verse 1 to 3. Sharing this morning on the Father's heart. Just feel like it would be good as we're beginning the year to be reminded of the Father's heart towards us. To help us as we proceed in this year. So Jeremiah chapter 33 from verse 1 to 3. I read. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah a second time. While he was still shut up in the court of the guards. He was in prison. Thus says the Lord who made the earth. The Lord who formed it to establish it. The Lord is his name. Verse 3 says, call to me and I will answer you. That's going to be our main verse. Call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and hidden things which you have not known. So let's get a little bit of context here. Jeremiah is in prison. He's not in a very good place. At this time, Israel is at war. The the enemy has surrounded Israel. And so it's a difficult time for Israel, but even more difficult for Jeremiah. Because he's at a place where, because of his message... The people don't like his message. And so they persecute him. So the authorities don't like Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is from a priestly family. But even the priests do not like him. Because he's preaching holiness. He's preaching that they should walk in the will of God. And so the, the authorities don't like him. The people don't like him. His family. Doesn't doesn't want him, and so he is persecuted and put in prison, and he's having a tough time. And it's at this point that we come into chapter 33. He says, While he was in prison, the word of the Lord came to him. Can we just take a little break there and be encouraged by the fact that when he was in his lowest moment, when he was in prison? When he was having a tough time, the word of the Lord came to him. See, the the amazing thing about God is that his word will meet us where we are. There is no place. There is no high. There is no low. There is no difficulty or place we can find ourselves that his word will not meet us there. Oh, praise God that I don't have to be in a good place. I don't have to be in a high place. I don't have to be in a beautiful place for the word of God to meet me. You know, sometimes we have this feeling that we, we have to be in a good place. And so when we are in a good place, you know, things are going on well. We have good reports in the house, good things happening in our jobs. Great things happening around us, and then we are in the Word. Then we are in the Word. We are so glad we are quoting scriptures. But then, when life happens, and then the questions come like they sometimes do, and then the doubts come like they sometimes do, and then the fears come like they sometimes do, then we tend to get a little bit away from the Word. We tend to feel like, no, let me just, you know, and we we say things like, you know, I, I need to. I need to get... My mind is not really in the right place right now. I need to get my mind straight. Then I can go to the Word and understand. No! You don't fix your mind, then go to the Word. You go to the Word and it fixes your mind. You don't get your mind straight, then go there. No, you go there and it gets you straight. You take the questions, the doubts, the fears, and the all the trouble in the mind you take it to the word and it comes in and it straightens you see so you, you feel like you're not in the good place you feel like your mind is not right well join the list join the list of many in scripture that were in a bad place that their minds were not in the right place oh but the word of God met them and changed their lives Moses, Exodus chapter 3. He was running away. He had killed a man. He was a fugitive. He didn't know what he was doing. Oh, but right there in the desert, the word of God met him and turned the course of his life around. Elijah, he was running away from Jezebel. In fact, he was suicidal. He said, Lord, take away my life. I don't want to live anymore. That's how bad it was. But the word of the Lord met him right there and lifted him up and turn his life around oh praise god praise god that we don't have to be in the best of places that his word will come into our mess into our struggles into our pains into our questions and it will bring order it will bring light it will bring life i'm so thankful for one that he he didn't wait for me to be in the best of places oh i'm so grateful you know, one of the lowest moments in my life was when I, I lost my dad. It was a difficult time. Because he it was, it was so shocking, because he was so abrupt. He was doing, feeling well, doing well. And I left for, for a, a revival program. And when I came back, the same day, he fell and he was gone. He had something with the liver. And I was in shock, because we didn't expect it. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to say. I didn't know where to put my mind. See, but there was this group that kept coming to our house. And they would just open the scripture and read. They would not tell me anything. Just open the scripture and read. And I tell you, church, as I heard the word of God over and over. He was still there. The questions were still there. The fears were still there. But there was something in me that was saying, it's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. You see, you might not be in a physical prison like Jeremiah was, oh, but the prisons of fears, the prisons of doubts and depression are as real. The walls of depression and doubts are as real as the physical walls. Oh, but Hebrews four and twelve is clear. Says his word is still alive and is still powerful. He is still stronger than the walls of fear, than the walls of depression, than the walls of unbelief. And if you will let the word of God in. If you will trust and respond to his word and stand on his word. Oh, he will bring deliverance. In your mind, in your spirit, he will bring life. Oh, church, can we let the word of God in this year? Can we let it into our hearts, into our homes, into our families, in the city, in the land, in the schools? Oh, it was a bad idea to take it out of the schools. It was such a bad idea. Such a bad idea. Since the entrance of the word brings life and understanding to the simple. If they let it in, maybe some of the mad questions will have some answers. It brings life. And so if we will let it in, it will make a difference in our lives. And I know that out the, you know, right now we are at a moment when it's not very different from what Jeremiah was going through. You know, people are rejecting the word of God. People are turning away from it. But I tell you, it's still a good time to be a Christian. It's still a good time to stand on it because it is still the sword of the spirit of God. It still breaks the chains. And so if we will stand on it and preach it and trust in it, I tell you, we'll see some chains break this year. We will see some doors open. Like Elijah, if you will stand on it, we will see the dead things come back to life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Praise God. And so the word of God comes to him and tells him really quickly, really briefly. In chapter three, there are three things in there that reveal to us the heart of the father. And so God told him, he says, call unto me and I will answer you. That's the first thing. First thing God was saying is, I am Listening. You've got my attention. That's the first thing. The father wants you to know that you have his attention. What a good way to to walk through the here, knowing that you have God's attention. God is listening. God is hearing you. You have his attention. I'm thankful for the word of God that came while we were worshiping. That is God. We could just go into prayer. God is listening. He's attentive to you. Now, that's a big deal, you know, because we are in, if you, if you pay attention to, to what's happening in the world, you will know that we are officially, we are in a, in a generation or we are in a time when we are the most vocal. It means we have the most methods of communication than any other generation. Means we are able to communicate than any other generation before. But you'll be surprised to know that we are also living in a time when people feel the most isolated and unheard. Feel like no one is listening. In fact, some of the, the behaviors and the trends you see with, with with depression and anxiety and and suicide and all the things happening is because people feel like No one is listening to them. Like no one is hearing them. But now that's a paradox. On one end, we have a God that is set to listen. And on one end, we have people that feel like nobody is listening. So what's going on? It's because we have been convinced that somehow people, situations, things have convinced us that somehow no one is listening, even God. It's not listening. But that cannot be further from the truth. Bible says in Psalms 34 verse 15. That the eyes of the Lord. Are upon us. And his ears are attentive. To our cries. To our calls. You know like Esther. That's the position we have. When Esther came into the court. With the king at that time. And the king extended his scepter. And said you are welcome. You can come into my house. I want to listen to you. That's the eternal position that we have with the Lord. He is saying you are welcome. The Father is saying you are welcome to come in. And it wasn't always like that, church. There was a time when the Bible says sin created a wall of suppression between us and God. Isaiah 59 verse 1. It was a time when we had no access because of the the sin that had so burdened us. But when Jesus came, he took the sin, he went to the cross, and he opened the door forever. So Forever we have access to come into his presence and to seek for his help. And I want to encourage you wherever you are, you might be burdened by the guilt of sin. The guilt of things that you feel like, oh, it's been so bad. It's plagued my life and I cannot let go. And you feel like, oh no, God has turned his back. And, and the weight of sin and the guilt and condemnation is all over your life. But the Bible says because he died and he rose, it says whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. So right where you are, you can call on Jesus and he will forgive your sins. He will set you free of sin and bring you into his house. Church, the blood has made a way. The blood has given us access. And he says in Hebrews, he says, Now we can come boldly to his throne of grace and receive mercy and receive help in time of need. The Lord, the Father is listening. Now to get, let me give you a little bit of context to understand, you know, to understand fully that verse, that, that sentence, call unto me. And I will answer you. have to go back to chapter 12 and chapter 20 of Jeremiah. Because in chapter 12 and chapter 20, Jeremiah is complaining. Jeremiah has a lot to complain about. He has lots of questions. He's angry and complaining because the enemy is getting a pass. He's angry at God. He says, God, you, the enemy is getting a pass and you don't have my back and I'm not seeing the things that you have promised happened to me. So Jeremiah is complaining. If you read chapter 12, chapter 20, we might not be able to read everything today. And when you read those scriptures, Jeremiah is, is, is complaining. And so in chapter 33, God is saying, it's not enough to complain. Ask for help. Not enough to complain. Call for help. See, because complaining... Comes naturally with us. We are naturally inclined to complain. I don't know about you. I've never taught my children to complain. Have you? I've never taught my children to whine. Just whine. No, but you have to teach them to ask for help. I just tell them, list it. Don't kick the bike. It's not the bike's fault. Ask for help on how to ride the bike. See, because complaining comes naturally. It's the difference between complaining and asking for help. Because complaining is easy. It's easier to complain. It takes humility to ask for help. See, when you complain, you are looking at someone else or something is the fault. Something is at fault, yeah. When you ask for help, you are saying, I need help change i need help lord my household needs help my kids need help it's not someone else it's not anything it's i need help there is something i need to happen in my life see when you complain you're pointing the finger at someone at something but when you ask for help you're opening your arms and saying lord i need help when you complain, you're the victim of situation, circumstances. But when you ask for help, you're the candidate for change. You are ready for change. You see, you choose how you live life. You live life like this, complaining, pointing. Or you live life like this. Saying, Lord, help me. Lord, do something in my life. God was telling Jeremiah, complaining alone won't cut it. He will not cut it. He's telling the church, complaining alone will not cut it. God is looking for people that will not just know how to complain, but know how to touch the gates of heaven in prayer. So God can do something for our lives. That will bring our kids, our homes, our families, our nation to the gates of heaven through prayer so there can be a change so he said call don't just complain come to the altar come so i can do something the father we have the attention of the father he said call on me i will answer and show you number one we have his attention number two he wants our attention says, I will show you. He says, pay attention. Now, it's interesting, you, you know, if you read through all the texts, you will see that Jeremiah had lots of things he was asking for. Lots of things he wanted to happen in the nation, in the, in the place where he was. But when God answers, when God speaks to him, when God, in, in, you know, calls him up, he says, call me and I will show you. He says, pay attention to me. Now, God does not address the things he was asking for. The first thing God says is pay attention attention to me because i want to show you something because i want to teach you something see and it's 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 a a recurring term in scripture theme in scripture sorry whenever god wanted to do something the first thing he began to do was to get his these people to pay attention to him first in ezra in nehemiah before he built the wall he called the people to fast and to pray In the book of Acts, before the church was born, he called them to go to the upper room to pray. So before God moved in every city, every nation, every heart, the first thing he did was to get his people to pay more attention to him. Say, I want your attention. I want your time. Church, the question has never been, is God paying attention? We've settled that. God is paying attention. The question is, Are we going to give him attention? Our ears, our heart, our eyes. So he can do what only he can do. Question is not if God is paying attention. No, he's paying attention. You have his ears and eyes. But his concern is, will you give me your attention? So I can do what I want to do in your home. Because God has a word for Jerusalem, but if Jeremiah is not paying attention, God can release it. God can move in Jerusalem, so he has to get Jeremiah's attention. He has to get Jeremiah to look at him, to gaze at him, to listen to him. God wants to change Jerusalem, even in the book of Acts. God had a purpose, he had a plan, but he needed the disciples to go up. To go to the upper room so he could move in their lives and then move through them. See, God has a plan for your home. He has a plan for your kids. There's a plan for your children. There's a plan for our city. But he is calling your attention. See, if he can move in you, he can move in your city. If he can change your heart, he can change those children. If he can change your heart, he can change that environment he's saying will you let it flow will you let me move in will you give me your attention and that's a big deal that's a really big deal because that's a big if because like i told you earlier we are in the generation that has so much so many things available for us to look at so many means of communication now that comes with also one of the greatest attacks of the enemy distraction oh yes See, church, the WMDs, the the weapons of mass destruction of today, it's not just the bombs. It's the weapons of mass destruction. There's so many things that will try to take your mind, to take your heart from the one place, from the one person that can truly change your life. So many things that will come, and you have to be prepared. Like Felix was saying, it's only going to get louder. The noises. Oh, you think there's noise now? Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna get louder from all around. We to be so many things that will be competing for your heart and attention to keep you from gazing on the Father. And receiving what God has to do. You see, we are in a, a kind of like a First Kings 19 moment. When Elijah was in the cave, you know, he was hearing all the quakes and all the noises. But God was not necessarily in there. So there will be lots of noises that will be there to derail you, to distract you, to deceive you. And many will be deceived. It will be those that are in the presence of God. That are on their knees that will be able to separate the noises from the voice. And hear what God is saying for their lives, for their children, for their families. And so they can walk in it. The noises will be louder. We'll have to have, a, it's going to take a conscious decision. Like Isaiah said, that I've set my face like a flint. On the Lord. It means a conscious decision to be in his presence. To be intimate with him. To listen to him. A conscious decision to put our face in the book. Oh, I tell you, we're going to need, like Jesus in John chapter 2. He said, the zeal of his house has consumed me. We're going to need a zeal from the Spirit of God. A zeal for his house, for his presence that no noise and no distraction can deter us from. And God is willing to do that. The Bible says, He told the prophet Zechariah that I will give them a heart to know me. I'll give them a spirit of prayer and supplication. Hallelujah. Means I'll put in them a desire for me that no worldly distraction can deviate. I will quicken their knees, their ability to pray. I will strengthen their hands, their ability to raise their hands. So when all the winds of the world are coming, oh, they will still be on their knees. They will still be in the place of prayer. That's why, you know, before revival, that's the very first place where revival starts. Every time. With us getting, paying more attention to him. That's the first thing he starts to pull down. The walls that keep us from the altar. The walls of doubt. The walls of unbelief. The walls of fear. The walls of the past. The walls of discouragement. He starts to take it away. So he can and give us a zeal and a desire to be with him. He starts to pull down the lies that you can do without a prayer life. What a lie. What a lie. That you can do without the altar. What a lie. That you can do it on your own. What a lie. And he makes us so desperate for him. That we cannot but help to run to the altar. And to stay there and to seek his face. So he can walk in us. And then walk through us. Oh, I'm believing God that the Lord will do it in our days, church. That he will, by the power of his spirit, he will pull down the lies of the enemy. And all the things that have kept us away from his presence. And he will bring us in his presence so he can so fill our lives, that our world will be affected by it. He's able to do it, church. He's able to do it. Even right now, he can do it in your life. By the power of his spirit, he wants your, he, we have his attention. He wants your attention. And lastly, he wants our submission. The word I will, t- the word I will show you or I will teach you, that also means I will instruct you. I will show you some things. You know when you come into the house of the Lord and you, you start seeking his face and his spirit starts to walk in you. There are things he may tell you to take out. There are things he may tell you to put in. There are, things he may, there are things he may lead you into. And he wants that we have a heart to submit to him. To listen to him. A heart that he can correct. A heart that he can lead. See God's not looking for perfect people. No. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just looking for people that will be willing to say, Spirit of God, have your way. Do what you want to do in my life. And so you will be glorified. See, Jeremiah was the only person and Jerusalem had just so much difficulties and struggles. And he had a a tough time. But as he let go of his own thoughts and feelings and just surrendered to the Lord, the word of God was able to bring a change in that place. There was a transformation in that place. And so today, if we will accept and yield to the Lord, we will see a change. Tell you things will change. He says, do not harden your heart if you hear the word of the Lord. He says, don't resist the spirit of God. And lastly, I'm closing with this. We're going to pray. You know, when he says, I will show you something that you do not know. He was stripping him of his trust in what he knew. Of his trust in what he could do. See, because very often that's where we we miss it with the Lord. Because we come with the things we can do and the things we can do. That's not what God is saying. That's not where God is operating. He's not operating at your level. No, he's not. He is not. He's operating at the purpose, the plan that he has. He wants us to say, Lord, to trust that no matter where we are, he can do what he has planned that he will do. So God is inviting us today. Don't come with the limitations of your mind. Don't come with the things that you have seen of the past. Believe that as you approach his, his throne, as you seek him this year, that the spirit of God will work out his plan in your life. He will lead you. He will lead that whole house. He will lead that child. Oh, there's someone that the Lord is saying, believe for that child. Amen. Believe for that spouse. And you're battling all the things you have heard in the past about. You're battling all the difficulties that life has thrown at him. But the Lord is saying, if you will come to me, my spirit, my spirit alone, not your strength, not what you know, will work out my purpose in it. That's the call of God for the church again. He's saying, it's not about what's happening. You know, everything that is happening doesn't look good. It doesn't look bright. But he's saying, I want your attention. I want your attention. The father has his ears on you. But the father is saying, I want, set yourself to receive. Set yourself to hear from me. Set yourself to receive what I have ready for you. Go back to the altar. Go back to the place of intimacy. Go back to the place of his voice. Oh, and you will see what God can do in your life, in your family, for those children, for the church. Oh, I'm not, I'm not scared at all. I'm so excited to be in the house of the Lord, to be part of his body. Because I know as long as we are at the altar, oh, God has solved a big part of the equation. Oh, yes. As long as we come into his house, oh, he has solved a great part of the problem. His spirit can begin to move. Oh, praise God. Can we just go to the Lord in prayer? I didn't want to be long today. Father, we thank you. We give you praise, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. The spirit of the Lord is here. Oh, thank you, Father. His eyes are on you. His ears are open. He says you can call. You can call. I want to spend a few minutes just to to spend in the Lord, just to to pray, to talk to the Lord. And I want you to open your heart. I want you to, to respond to his call doesn't matter where you find yourself, there is a, the spirit of the Lord wants to quicken you, wants to bring, lift you up, wants to bring you to the place of prayer, to the place of his visitation. He wants to open your heart to what only he can do. So go ahead, respond, respond to his, to his call as we pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We bless your name.